0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host tonight, Matt Filipovitz. Joined tonight by two phenomenal co-hosts. In alphabetical order, uh, in terms of name, we have Mr. Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello. How are you?
1: What What other thing would we be in alphabetical order?
0: I was trying to think of a joke, but I couldn't think of anything.
1: <laughs> like, uh, I, Nick, uh, I am I'm of an Italian ancestry. What ancestry are you of?
2: I'm a German. Apologies if you can hear the dog, weird dog sitting, standing literally right outside this door, holding <laughs> a squeaky toy, squeaking it. Um, I am mostly German. Also, Czech.
1: All right. So, yeah, you would you would Nick yeah, also. you here. would you would you would have me beat if we were going alphabetically in terms of um, uh, where our ancestors are from. So there's that.
0: Nick, hello. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? It's our first three-person podcast in in a minute. Nick, what's new?
2: Nothing much since we last spoke. Um, I'm ready to defend my crown here.
0: Yeah, so I'm so excited for this podcast. This is my favorite podcast we do every year. First of all, it's the last podcast of the off-season pods. It's the final one. Next week, we shift into game week mode, and I'm amped for that. But this is, you already know it from the title of this podcast if you clicked on it. Which, first of all, hey, hello. Thank you for clicking. We're glad you're here. Uh, We're Roar Lions Roar. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube uh, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, Also follow us on Twitter at RLRblog. But we are here to do our Penn State player over-unders for the 2023 season. For reference, Nick is the reigning champion, even though I'm the one who literally creates the over-unders. This is my own game. I set the lines and Nick beat me at my own game last year. And from what I've heard, Nick, you are feeling pretty confident about your ability to defend this crown.
2: I'm feeling very confident about my ability to defend this crown. I feel very confident in all my picks this year.
0: All right. All right. Fair. Bill, how are you? How are you feeling? So for the first time, you guys have both seen the over-unders. We have nine of them. Bill, how are you feeling about this?
1: You know, I, 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 okay. I, I, I don't feel strongly one way or another on this. I don't, I I don't feel the need to celebrate being able to beat Matt in something as I did when we, as I did, when we drafted our seven on seven teams and Matt picked Tyler Warren first overall.
0: That's right. He can run, he can pass. uh, He can do it all. Matt,
1: Matt, you got beaten like you
0: stole something, brother. That's true. I did. I did. But we're not, we're not here to rehash the past. Fellas, let's dive right in. This is the first over-under I have set for Penn State in 2023. We're going to rotate who goes first. But to start things off, we'll start with Bill. So, Bill, over-under, one and a half running backs with at least 900 rushing yards for Penn State this fall. So
1: I I mentioned this to Matt before the podcast, and we're playing a little bit of a game within this game. And what this game is, is Matt will present the over-under. This one will go to me first, but I will be the one who is playing this game. It is, I am going to tell you, dear listener, what Matt is actually asking here. And the over-under of one and a half running backs with at least 900 rushing yards for Penn State, what he is actually asking, is will Nick Singleton and Katron Allen rush for at least 900 yards each this year after coming 33 yards away last year when Katron Allen had 867 rushing yards? And I think they're going to go over because they're going to lean very heavily on those two running backs. Like I mentioned, they were 33 yards away from doing this last year, and that was with, and this is a really big part of this, with a quarterback who is very comfortable running the football, Last year, Penn State's third best running back was Sean Clifford. Clifford ran for 176 yards on the season. I don't think Drew Aller is going to run the ball nearly that well, which is you know teasing something a little bit farther down the road. The running back depth, much better this year, but I think the gap between those two and the rest of the room is quite sizable, and I don't think we're going to see a lot of situations where Singleton gets a drive, Allen gets a drive, and then Trey Potts gets a drive, or Cam Wallace gets a drive, or another running back gets a drive. I think the lion's share of the game, when the game is still in the balance, is going to happen with the two of those getting the lion's share of the carries. As a result, I will go over and say Nick Singleton and Katron Allen do
0: this. All right, all right, I like your logic there. Nick, over to you.
2: This is a fairly easy over for me. Um As we've said on previous podcasts, uh, I, I, I am, you know, I am the conductor of the Katron Allen train. I love Katron Allen. I think he's a phenomenal running back. I actually, you could have put this at 999 rushing yards and I would have said over. I think both these dudes are going for a thousand yards this year. Um, to me, the only, the biggest thing you know, to Bill's point about the lack of Sean Clifford playing a role here to me, the only thing that might hold this back is actually what seems to be an improved running back room overall in that. I think Trey Potts and Cam Wallace is a better, um, you know, three, four, et cetera, in a, in the room, as opposed to last year when we had Kevon Lee for the short amount of time, he was healthy. Devin Ford before he, um, Decided to uh, call it quits for the year before transferring. Um, I just think that this room overall is deeper, so that could be the only thing that holds them back. But they're also both just so good, and I think Penn State's offensive line should be improved. That I think there is, I I, I don't think there's going to be anything that stops this from being a fairly easy over in the end.
0: Wow, I am I am floored by both of your answers. Both have very very sound logic, but I'm I'm on the under here. I am on I think one guy is going to hit this number, and that's not a knock on anybody's talent in this room, but I think Trey Potts came in as I believe a fifth-year guy in college football now. I think he understands what his role is going to be. But I think it's such a priority to keep Nick Singleton and Katron Allen with as little tread on their tires as possible. Not only for this year, but also for next year. So between Trey Potts, there's never been a running back to redshirt under Jaywan Sider. I think one or both of Cam Wallace and London Montgomery are heading that way. But it would not surprise me at all if in like Delaware and in the UMass game or maybe in like the Indiana game if it's like a preseason game kind of vibe for Allen and Singleton and you bring in these younger guys to go out there and get that lion's share of the reps. And that's where I think it's going to come back and bite them in the butt. I think Penn state is going to be a very run heavy team, but I think there's even with the, the subtraction of Sean Clifford from the rushing equation, I just think having five scholarship running backs in the room with feeling confident, at least three of them, probably four of them, are going to get a pretty good amount of carries relative to their standing in the pecking order. I, I just can't see both these guys going over 900 yards. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to feel different. I think Penn State's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I don't think there's going to be as many blowouts by nature of a young quarterback coming in. I I just think that it's going to be a a running back by committee with just more than those two guys. So, that's where uh, that's where I want to plant my flag on this. So we have Bill and Nick on the over here and I am on the under.
2: All right. So flip one for two. one. Wonderful.
0: Over. Fair enough. <laughs> Nick over to you over under 44 and a half sacks for the Penn state defense.
2: So I think this is an over um, last year. What was it? Like 42 and a half. They had last year. Something Correct. like that. 43, yeah. 43, 42 and a half. Yeah. Um so I think this is an over. I I don't um I don't think it's necessarily that I mean I do think the defense is going to be better. I I just think it's a slightly more uh pass rush inclined version of the defense than last year's was, which um could, you know, could end up hurting them in the run defense game as a result, but you know, I think this defensive tackle the defensive tackle group is a little bit more pass rush inclined. Um, obviously, we're expecting really big things from Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton. I think uh, Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter both going to have really big years in terms of sacks. And, you know, most importantly, it sounds like not, you know, not to knock the duo that was Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King because that was an incredible pairing of cornerbacks, but it sounds like, you know, it sounds like Kalen King this year and Johnny Dixon could potentially be an even better pairing. I think we're going to get a lot of situations where quarterbacks against Penn state just end up dropping back and like not, I, I think they're going to be a lot of uh, a lot of long developing sacks. Um, if that's a term, I think there's, you're going to see quarterbacks looking up and just not having anyone to throw to, and they're just going to get swallowed. I, I, I don't know that this is an over by a lot, like forty five, wouldn't surprise me. But I think this is a, I think this is an over.
0: Bill,
1: over to you. So again, we will play the fun game of what is uh, Matt actually asking here? And what Matt is asking is, will they get one point five more sacks than they did last year, considering how infrequently Penn State's top defensive ends got to the quarterback. Last year, Abdul Carter was their number one sack guy with six and a half. Chop Robinson had five and a half. Adisa Isaac had four. Denied Dennis Sutton had three. Nick Tarburton had two uh, continuing to go down. I mean Vanover had one. Uh, and I think Chop Robinson is the main guy who is being asked about here. Uh, last year, the number one team in the country had 50 sacks. Number two had 48. Number three had 45. So this would be Penn State getting to uh, top three in the country in sacks. I'm going to say yes. They were at 43. Uh, yes, they will go over. They were at 43 last year without, again, to the question that Matt was trying to ask him here, without a defensive line that consistently got home, or defensive ends that consistently got home. I think teams are going to have to throw against them Uh, with some frequency, I think, other than uh, Ohio State and Michigan teams that are going to be more evenly matched against this Penn State team. Penn State's going to find itself in situations where in third and fourth quarters they're going to be ahead and teams are going to have to put the ball in the air, which is going to be more opportunities for sacks, hint for later, more opportunities for interceptions, that sort of thing. And we know that Manny Diaz wants to attack. The one question that I have in here is I am curious if Penn State with the ability that it has off the edges, primarily with Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, and Denai Dennis Sutton, if that leads to Manny Diaz blitzing a little bit less, dropping seven dudes back in coverage, and making it so they say, okay, we think, we know our pass rush is going to be able to get home. We're not going to bring pressure from all over the place. We're just going to leave it to those guys. And maybe that means their individual numbers are a bit higher but the unit's total number is a bit lower. I don't think they're going to do that, so I will say the over. I think they're going to bring pressure from all over the place and get to the quarterback with some frequency, but that's one thing that I'm keeping an eye on, especially through that first month or so of the season.
0: Bill, you hit the nail on the head with your assessment of kind of what I'm getting at with this Matt, question. Matt, so,
1: I'm going to hit the nail on the head with every single one of these, my man.
0: Well, we've been podcasting together for like half a decade, so you, you understand how my brain works, so... They had 40 sacks last year, and, and Bill, I'm really glad that you called out that edge rusher group, because Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and Deny Dennis Sutton combined for 12 and a half. You take Tar Burton out of the equation, who was a really good defensive end, but primarily a run stuffer, and you replace him now as that third starter with probably Deny Dennis Sutton. Think back to that group last year. Adisa was coming off an Achilles injury. It was Chops first time as a hand in the dirt defensive end. And it was then I Dennis Sutton's true freshman season and they weren't that productive, but they got production from elsewhere. I think Bill, again, you hit the nail on the head there with, I think they're probably going to drop a couple more guys back in coverage. They'll still blitz a ton, but I think on those third and intermediate routes, you can really get away in the third and long routes, especially, you can get away with dropping guys in coverage and letting this unit go to work. So I think they're going to hit 45 pretty comfortably. This is the one, honestly, I feel the most confident in. I think between that group of edge rushers of those three, between the defensive tackles kind of shifting away, there's not really a PJ Mustapher. I think Hakeem Beeman and Kazai Izzard are more um, explosive on the interior, let's call it. They're not so much these big guys who are going to stuff the run. They're going to get penetration. And then, of course, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, whatever you get from the guys in the secondary who are going to come and bring pressure this feels like an easy over to me. So all three of us unanimously on the over of this one. And Bill, we'll go right back to you for this one. We'll flip back over to the offense. Over under 24 and a half passing touchdowns for Penn State quarterback Drew Aller.
1: So what Matt is asking here is, will he throw one more touchdown than Sean Clifford did last year? Sean Clifford threw 24 touchdowns last season. Is Drew Aller going to throw more than that, and I believe 24 Real quick, real quick,
0: Bill. This was the number that I set Clifford's at last year as well. If you go back to last year's edition of this pod, I also set his number at 24 and a half last year.
1: Yeah, and I also believe 24 was Clifford's uh, career high uh, for touchdowns of the season. And I'm going to say under, and it's not because I don't think Drew Aller can do that. It's not for any reason like that. It is, at the end of the day, this question is not a question about Drew Aller. It's a question about the philosophy of how he has brought along by Penn State's offensive staff, because I think that first month or so of the year, they're going to really lean on the running game. They're going to really lean on uh, what they have along the offensive line and what they have uh, in the backfield, in part because you know Aller's a new quarterback. They want him to get used to game, you know, game speed. They want him to build up. Uh, trust with his wide receivers. Uh, they want those wide receivers to grow because it's really does sound like going into the season. Penn state feels good about two wide receivers. Uh, and then it's just kind of this hodgepodge of trying to figure out who is uh, who's going to be next. So if we get through the first five games of the season, cause I believe there are five games in September this season and drew Auer has seven touchdown passes. I wouldn't be stunned. I do think he is going to finish a lot stronger than he starts. Again, in large part, because I think they are going to bring him along slowly because they have that luxury, but I will say he goes just under on this
0: one. All right. All right. I totally get that. Nick over to you.
2: This is another over for me. And for me, it comes back to the, something I bring up quite often on this podcast is that James Franklin understands optics. Um, it's also, you know, the main reason that I disagreed with your assessment on the running backs um, in that they'll be splitting that many carries. And, you know, I really disagree with the idea that they'll treat like the UMass and uh, Delaware in those games as like preseason tune-up types, because those are really great opportunities to eat up yards and pump up those stats. And stats, that's yeah. something they care about. Um, but I think James Franklin knows the, you know, some of the expectations that have been placed on the shoulders of Drew Baller. I think the, he knows that he's getting a lot of attention nationally. When we see guys like uh, Josh Pate from see what on three now or no, He's still two, four, seven, wherever he is. Um, two, you know, two he's, four seven. he's been talking about him a lot. Like he, he is somebody that lots of people across the country are talking about. And I think Franklin understands that, if he can, you know, get his stats looking pretty respectable, not only are you vaulting your guy into, you know, a possible Heisman discussion, but you're also getting him, you know, on those early boards for next year when he should be presumably even more of a candidate for that award. So I, um, I think this isn't over. I think they, we might see a fair number of shorter touchdown passes i also do think the running backs are going to be more involved in the passing game this year which i think plays a factor here as well um so for me i think this is an over i don't think it's a lot i think it's like 25 26 but i think it's an over
0: nick i'm with you on on the over here and for a couple of reasons that actually you mentioned going back to that point about the umass game and the delaware game kind of being tune-up games the running backs don't need tune-up games you know who needs to throw the ball a lot in game action it's drew aller that's what it comes back to. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has like a four or five touchdown performance in that first month of the season because the staff wants to see him get those game reps. And if he's you know pushing that pace early on, it's only going to trend in a more positive direction. Teams are going to respect Penn State's run game from the gate this year. They didn't do that last year because they had no reason to. Between that, between the running backs being more involved, taking Cliff's running game out of it, Cliff ran for a good amount in the red zone, especially. You take that out of it, that's more balls that are going to be up in the air. You factor in this tight end room, which I think is going to be probably two of Drew Aller's favorite targets with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren catching balls. They're going to be huge mismatches. So I'm with Nick on this one. I think it's probably around 25, 26, 27. That feels about right, but... Just in between the reps they want to get Aller, how many times I'm sure they want him to throw, and with how much teams are going to respect that running game, especially when they're going to tighten up in and around the red zone, this one feels like it's, it's heading for the over for me. So shifting our focus now from guys who could be throwing interceptions to a defense that I think is going to generate a lot of interceptions, and Nick, we'll kick things off back with you. Over, under... 14 and a half interceptions for the Penn State defense this fall.
2: Now, if I remember correctly, last year was it 14 or was it 13? Uh 13.
1: 13. Cool. Yeah. It 13. was 13 last year. So I think oh, wait, no, uh, it was 14. Sorry. Okay.
2: Um, regardless, I think this is an under. Um, and I don't Ooh, think okay. it's because there's a lack of talent in the secondary. I love this secondary. I think it's going to be an incredible unit. But it more goes back to you know my line of thinking about the team sacks going over 44 and a half. I think that the reputation that Penn State's secondary holds going into this season is one that quarterbacks are going to be really and offense coordinators are going to be really fearful of for the most part. And I don't think you're going to see quarterbacks Taking too many, you know, toss-up chances against them because they know they're going to make them pay. So, kind of for the same reason that I think they're going to go over on sacks, the number that we put there is the same reason I think they're going to go under on interceptions. I just, I don't like. I, I, I would feel pretty good about saying they get exactly fourteen. I just don't know that they go over that because I don't know if they're going to have as many opportunities you know, to get them. I think we're going to see that production kind of flip around in terms of uh, sacks instead, because I think, you know, opposing offenses, you'd rather take a sack than turn the ball over. And I think we're going to see a bit of that this season.
0: Nick, last year, you said you, you know, for a fact that a defensive lineman is going to get a pick because it happens every year. Do you back that up once again this year? And do you have a pick for defensive lineman to get an interception?
2: i do i still i still cling firmly to that belief um I'm feeling I'm feeling a denied Dennis Sutton pick six this year that's what I'm gonna go with
0: wow a pick six okay yeah. <laughs> Lucetta-esque.
2: yeah that's what I'm feeling I, I
0: like it i like it bill over to you over under here uh 14 and a half picks for this defense and if you have so, a defensive lineman interception pick uh throw that in there too
1: uh no I don't But yeah, Matt is asking again: Will they have one more interception they had last year, where they had
0: fourteen? And I'm going
1: to go over uh, what this what this question and the over under question for sacks. Ask they would need to get in order for this to work. uh, So kind of going off of Nick's point of opportunities, they would need to get one and a half more sacks and one more interception in order for both from last year. In order for both these to hit, and I think that's totally feasible again going to something i said a little bit earlier which is that yes they have the talent to do that they are going to have a ton of talent on this defense especially in its back seven to intercept passes but the big thing here is going to be the game state that they are facing there are going to be a lot of games where teams are going to have to throw against them more of those games will invariably lead to more opportunities for sacks more opportunities for interceptions. Last year, Penn State's defense went up against about 70 plays a game. And the way it was broken down was about 37 of those uh, were passing plays. 33 of those were rush attempts. Going into this season, I think teams are going to have to throw a bit more on this Penn State defense. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if it says about 70 plays a game they're playing on average, I wouldn't be surprised if it's about a 40-30 split, which you extrapolate that over the course of an entire season. That is a lot more opportunities for them to make the kinds of big havoc plays, uh, whether that's interceptions, whether that is sacks, whatever that might be. So I am going to end up taking the over on this one.
0: Bill, I'm riding with you here. I'm on the over on this as well. For a lot of the reason you mentioned, I think it's going to be a big game state thing. I think the fact that there's no quarterback on this schedule like Aiden O'Connell, who's going to be phenomenal at just taking care of the football. Like, as far as we know, there's no CJ Stroud on this schedule who's going to be great at taking care of the football. So right there, there's two games where you open yourself up to generating some more big play interceptions. I think that teams are going to pretty early try to beat this team deep until Johnny Dixon and the safety room clearly shows they're not a drop down from what they had last year. And I think that's going to be a huge mistake. I think with KJ Winston, Zaki Wheatley, Keaton Ellis, and Jalen Reed playing center field back there, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunities. The linebackers, I think, are going to be really aggressive blitzing. But I think especially a guy like Curtis Jacobs can throw some people off by dropping back. And speaking of that, my defensive lineman interception pick is going to be a main Vanover just because he's the guy who never placed his hand in the dirt. And I think he's going to trick somebody by just floating out into the flat and someone's going to throw it right to him. Like a la Anthony Zettel in 2014. I think that's what we're heading towards. So I've got the over on this one. Put me at like, I think 15 interceptions is a fair number. Although weirdly, Penn State like had all those turnovers and a ton of them were fumbles. And I think fumbles are a lot more luck than interceptions are just by the way the ball bounces. So I I don't feel great about this one. But I think this one can go over just by nature of what this team has and the way I think this team is going to play. So, Bill, we'll flip it back over. We'll keep we'll keep it in the in the catching the football realm. And this is one that I set a number at this last year, and Bill, you called me a maniac. So I really bumped it down this year. Over under one and a half wide receivers with at least 30 catches.
1: Uh real quick, last year, um, can you tell me if I got this one right?
0: You did get this one. I think I had it at okay. three and a half or two and a you half. You did minutes, but at least you catches. It was yeah.
1: it was three and a half. I think, which is absolutely cool. Still to this day, I'm like, how in God's name did you not get that one clear? Uh, but yeah, what Matt is essentially asking with this one is, will they have the same amount of guys doing this as they had last year? Last year, Penn State had uh, two wide receivers in Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington, who got at least thirty receptions. Brenton Strange hit thirty two. Uh, but obviously wasn't a wide receiver. Keandre Lambert-Smith was at 24. I think they will go over with basically the exact same, with the exact same number of just two guys who are going to be doing this. They did this last year. And I think that at least heading into the season, the wide receiver might be even slanted towards we have two dudes and then we have everyone else. Then we saw last season when they had that consistent third option or a more consistent third option, a more established third option in Keandre Lambert-Smith. And then obviously Trey Wallace was in there as well. Heading into this year, it seems like Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace are established two guys that we are going to know and trust throughout the season. And then it's just trying to figure out who is going to be there next. And I think, again, that first month of the season, at least in the lead up to, uh, the game against games against Illinois and Iowa. It's going to be a lot of, all right. Let's see what we got from Dante Sebas. Let's see what we got from William Clifford. Let's see what we got from uh, Omari Evans. Let's see what we got from Caden Saunders. This, 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 and this. So, I would not be surprised if we get to uh, through the first three games of the season, and both. Mitchell uh, not Mitchell Tansley. He did that last year. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace are at 15 to 20 receptions each. And then other guys start to catch up to them. Other go- other guys in the wide receiver room start eating into the number of targets, receptions, et cetera as the year goes on. But to start the year, I think they are going to build up enough of a cushion that they will get there, and I think everyone else will have to play catch up, and they will not be able to. Plus, you add in the fact that Penn State's going to have a very good tight end room. Penn State's going to have a very good uh, wide, rec- uh, very good pass catchers out of the backfield, and I just think it's going to be two wide receivers putting up kind of those raw reception no- number totals, and then everybody
0: else.
2: Nick, over to you. Yeah. So, Matt, I think that this is very close to equally as insane of a prompt as last year's was, because I think this is a remarkably wow. easy over. um I don't wow. see any world in which two receivers don't get at least 30, 30 receptions this year. Uh, we presume them to be Keandre Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace. That's who I would assume. Um, But yeah, kind of like Bill said, I I expect it to play out pretty similarly to last year and that you'll have those two guys that are, I think, end up being over by a pretty healthy margin. I think one guy ends up being, you know, right around it, maybe even surpassing it. Like I think one of Dante Cephas or Amari Evans, Liam Clifford, or Caden Saunders, I think probably ends up around like 28, anywhere from 27 to 32. Um I just, I, I don't see any way that this offense works if that is not the case. And I think this offense is going to work. So, um, I understand your rationale in that one, you got clowned last year for this. And then two, um, obviously we expect a (laughs) lot from the run game. So we, you know, expect that to take over. And I know you're really big on the tight ends as we all are. And I know you think they're going to be, uh, potentially, you know, as high as Aller's top two targets. I know you've said a couple of times, but, I, I don't really see any world in which Lambert Smith and Wallace, bar an injury, whoever steps in for one of them, if they were to get hurt, I don't see any way that they both don't surpass this number.
0: I'm, I'm, I disagree with you guys wholeheartedly. I'm, I'm on the under here. I don't think there's anybody in this room that I know of right now, at least that I'm as confident can produce on a consistent level as I was with Parker Washington and with Mitchell Tinsley. That's not an indictment on the wide receiver room like it sounds like it is. I think there's a lot of guys in this room with 25 catch potential. And I especially think there's one guy in this room, Keandre Lambert-Smith, with like 45 to 50 plus catch potential. So in between that, I have, I think, a tight end room in Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, which is going to feature, I think, two of Drew Aller's top four favorite targets. And that's where I think this is going to come into play. I think Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren are going to be as big, if not a bigger part of this offense than strange and Johnson were last year. You factor in improvement from the running backs in the receiving game. Katron Allen is a very good receiver. You don't really want to take anything away from the blue white game, but he caught a ton of balls there as well. Nick Singleton very clearly has to get a lot better at catching the football, but I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to do that. So I just think that between my firm belief that this wide receiver room is a true 2, not a true 2D, but more or less it's seven guys fighting for what we think is going to be three spots. But if they go 12 personnel, as often as I think they will, then it's more like seven guys fighting for two two spots. So that's where I think this comes into play. I I think the receivers are going to be really productive. I think a lot of them are going to put together ninth seasons, but I think both of Penn State's tight ends can be all Big Ten caliber players. And that's where I'm going to disagree so, on that front. So, so
1: can, can I push back against one thing you said in there? Yeah, go for it. They so you said that you don't think that they're going to have two guys who are as productive as Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington. Can we can we agree? You said explicitly that correct. Those ex- okay. They don't have to be as productive of those as those guys because Tinsley had twenty one more catches than thirty receptions, and Washington had sixteen more receptions than thirty receptions. So basically, you need to take the uh, ninety seven receptions that those two guys had, and you can allocate them throughout the room as long as Harrison Wallace is getting eleven of them, and Keandre Lambert Smith is getting uh six of them along with you know brenton Strange's 32 which can also be allocated however you want like they don't have to be one of the basics, again they don't have to be as productive as those guys they could be considerably less productive than those guys and this one can still hit
0: right but think back to last season But i'll push back a little bit there who were the guys who had chances to step up when either, when Parker got hurt or, you know, when Tinsley wasn't, you know, exactly what he was at Western Kentucky, it was really just Keandre Lambert Smith. And that was pretty much the option for guys who can step up. There's so many guys in this room now. And the fact that nobody stepped up and taken that third receiver role like Dante Cephas, it could be Amari Evans, Caden Saunders, Liam Clifford, like Malik McClain, Malik Mega, who even knows if you want to go that far down. I just think that there's no clear guy. Or no clear two guys to step up, which makes me think it's going to be spread out a little bit more. That would be my pushback there.
1: Uh, all right, that, that's. I, I will again say that like the bar is lower than ten, than having to meet the production. Like if this question was forty receptions, maybe then I would have a little bit more of a more trouble with it. But like I don't mm-hmm. think with how far how far down, big of a step down it is from what Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington were able to uh, accrue last year to where they need to be for this one to hit. That's why I will say over.
0: All right. All right. Fair. Uh, Bill and Nick, do you guys have picks then on who these receivers will be? You can say, you can say you're two, or if you think it's going to be three throw in a third guy, uh, uh, Nick, yeah. we'll start with you.
2: Uh, I think it'll be, well, Bill, like I said, right I, th- I think easily Lambert Smith and Trey Wallace um okay. and then put me on the board for liam clifford 31 receptions Ooh,
0: okay all right bill to you uh i will just go with
1: uh lambert smith and wallace again because i think the for i think as the year goes on uh there's something we've talked about uh among our friend group i think that Dante Stevens is really going to benefit from being able to get out there and actually play football and get up to P5 game speed. But I think that those two are going to just build up a bit of a cushion by the time that guys start establishing themselves a little bit that I will just take those two.
0: All right. All right. Totally, totally get it. And fellas, we're about at the midpoint of this lovely podcast. And I can think of no better time To Thank our sponsor, and our sponsor, of course, being our friends over at Home Field Apparel. If you don't know about Home Field Apparel, what are you doing? They make some of the coolest collegiate apparel out there in the marketplace today. I am currently rocking one of my Home Field buys from last year, our We Are Penn State shirt for our YouTube viewers. You can see it there. It's got the old Nittany Lion logo on it. They have a huge, I want to say it's almost 30-piece Penn State collection by now, t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies. Hats, joggers, not just Penn State, they have a ton of other schools and they are always adding more. And for our listeners, you can get 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. Week zero's here. The season is just about here. Now is the perfect time to get your hoodie orders in, get your crew neck orders in, and be bundled up and be cozy for fall in the tailgate lots outside of Beaver Stadium. So again, it's 15% off your order, first order, excuse me, with promo code RLR23 at checkout. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. And fellas, I forget who started the last one. Uh, So the next one, Bill, I think we're over to you to kick us off here, if if I'm not mistaken, but... That's right. Over, under. Is it you, Nick?
2: No, I did the last one first. No, it's me.
0: Okay. All right, so it's Bill. Over, under. This is what I'm really curious about. 20 and a half sacks allowed by the Penn State offensive line.
1: So what Matt is asking is, will they allow one fewer than last year when they allowed 21? Or will they allow fewer than last year when they allowed 21? And I'm I'm pretty sure Matt is going to say under on this one exclusively because of the offensive line. And the offensive line should be better this season. And I agree that the offensive line will be better. I don't think it will be... uh, elite, one of the best in college football. I think it's, I, I'm going over on this one. I think the offensive okay. line, it's going to be like a 7 out of 10. I think I don't think it will be again, one of those best in college football. I say it will be about a 7 out of 10, which is still the best one in the Franklin era, but still, you know, it, it'll have, I, I think it will have moments where it's just not quite, you know, able to let Drew Allard go back there, you know, sit in a chair, read a book, wait for someone to get open and throw the football. But I don't think this is necessarily a question about the offensive line. The bigger thing here to me is that we were spoiled by Sean Clifford's ability to extend plays with his legs and with his awareness in the pocket and his ability to kind of keep calm in that kind of situation when there was chaos around him. And while Drew Auer is by no means a statue, you know, he can certainly move a little bit, I think this is one of the areas where we'll see a gap between what Drew Aller is and what Sean Clifford was in a way that isn't necessarily a good thing. I don't think Aller, I I don't think he will get to that point this season where he's doing the Josh Allen thing, where there's a little bit of pressure and he just knows how to like skirt away from it, get out of the pocket, throw the ball downfield, shrug off a sack, all that sort of thing. So I think between the fact that the offensive line will be good but not elite and the fact that Drew Aller is not going to be as good as Sean Clifford was at getting out of trouble when there's chaos around him. This number is going to not wildly over by any stretch, but slightly over.
0: Okay. All right. I, I like your heads up, Bill. I'll did. i I'll talk about my whole thing when I'm up, but I, I definitely took that into consideration when setting this number. And, and But, Nick, we'll go over to you right now.
2: So I have this as an over as well with I'll even give you the addition. I think they allow exactly 21 sacks. So I I agree with a lot of what Bill said. I don't think this is as much about the offensive line, um, though I do think the fact that the majority of the best pass rushers Penn State will face being edge guys as opposed to interior guys, I think does play to Penn state strengths. Obviously you have Olufushanu on the left. We've heard good things about Caden Wallace on the right side. And even if Caden Wallace, you know, if he starts playing poorly, we saw really good things from Drew Shelton last year. We know he can step in there. So I feel really good about the edge guys on the offensive line. I feel really good about their ability to protect him. But like Bill said, I think it kind of comes back to just the, the difference in control of the pocket that we're likely going to see between what we're used to with Sean Clifford and what we'll likely see this year from Drew Aller. I do think that Yurisich is probably going to, you know, install a fair amount of quick passing stuff, you know, to avoid that exact scenario. Um, and I do think that Aller is more adept at navigating a pocket than maybe you would expect seeing him. I know you, you know, somebody mentioned, you know, he's got, it's not, track star speed but he's not a statue um and i yeah. we, we got to see him navigate the pocket a bit last year on a couple of different occasions and he did a, did a really nice job of it so i think he's gonna do actually pretty well in that regard i think the big difference though is the um the lack of ex- more so than understanding how to navigate the pocket it's more so understanding reading the defense and knowing where the pressure is going to come from because that was sean clifford's greatest strength was his ability to diagnose a defense figure out where pressure is coming from understand what lanes of the pocket he did have to step up into and that's where aller you know the first few weeks are going to be huge for him the illinois and iowa games are going to be huge for him in terms of facing good defenses that can give him a chance to kind of learn those things but i think that's going to be the big difference i think that um, if he, if the team does allow sacks, it's probably going to be because, uh, Aller wasn't able to identify a blitzer in time or he misidentified a blitzer or something like that. So I think this is just, just barely over. This was, I think your best over under you set here, Matt. So I, I just think just barely over.
1: And, and Thank you. if I, if I could just interject one quick thing, one Please. thing I forgot to mention is that, one thing with Mike Yurish that I take at face value, because it's a thing that James Franklin also very strongly believes in, and I take at face value with him, is how much they value explosive plays in their offense as like a cornerstone of their offense. And I think that as they, if they start really looking for those, if they really start trying to beat teams down the field and make mm-hmm. our take more. Five step drops, seven step drops—you know those sorts of things that inherently make it so a quarterback holds on to the ball longer. I think that is going to also be another. Like, I don't necessarily think it's—it's it's just that I don't think the offensive line is going to win uh, the Joe Moore Award, or I don't—I don't necessarily think that. Uh, Drew Aller is going to be able to dance out of pressure. I just think it's because of explosive. I think all these little things kind of come together and lead me to want to go with the over. Not want to go. I, I would prefer if the number here was zero, but think the over is the correct answer here.
0: Nick, I'm you really you both really convinced me. Nick, I'm really glad that you said this was the best over over under I said because this is the one I had the most probably the most trouble with. I think Excellent. we're off by one. You and I, Nick, I have them at twenty. I Uh think they're going to go under. And a big reason for that is the sheer, the sheer size of a guy like Drew Aller. This is a big, strong quarterback. I think he's a better runner than he gets credit for. I think he is very hard to bring down at first contact. Not that Cliff was easy to bring down, but Cliff could juke you out. And I think Aller's the kind of guy who can absorb contact and has the arm strength to then just chuck a ball away. And, you made some really good points about the lack of experience Aller has, maybe contributing to a few extra dumb throws or not really feeling the pocket that well. I I think going back to that Purdue game on September 1st of his true freshman season, where he was flushed from the pocket and he hit, I think Mitchell Tinsley for a 10 yard game. I think back to the Ohio game where there was pressure all around him and he stepped up in the pocket and he found Khalil Dinkins for a touchdown. I think back to that same game where, A free rusher comes through for Ohio and Aller has the arm strength to throw off his regular throwing motion, whether that be sidearm or whoever he wants to chuck it. He has the ability to do that. He's trained by Brad Mandler in how to throw his ball, throw the ball from different arm angles. So I just think combine that with an offensive line that I'm very confident is going to take a pretty big step forward. This one feels like a very slight under to me. So that's where I'm going to plant my flag. Like you, Nick, I'm right on the fence of this. Put me down for like 19, 20 sacks allowed here. So we'll stick with, we'll stick with Drew Aller here for a little while longer. And Nick, we're starting with you. And this is one that I'm really dying to get your thoughts on. And keep in mind, sacks do count towards a rushing total in the college game. So mm. Nick, over under question. 75,
2: sorry. That no, that was my first question with this one. Continue, sorry.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Over under 75 rushing yards for Drew Aller this fall.
2: So the clarification about the sacks does play into this a bit, but I think this is going to be an over. I think the main reason I believe this is one, Drew Aller is a large human being. And I think in the occasions where he does um, does scramble out of a broken play, even if it's just a short gain, he's so big, he has a really good chance to go for at least like four or five yards every time any of those plays happen. Um, he's not going to be like Clifford and be shifty and be able to beat guys with speed, but he's just so big. It's hard to see him not picking up like at least four yards just by falling forward. Um I think the other reason I have this as an over is that I think Mike Yersich understands what he has with this run game and how feared it's going to be. There's going to be so much attention paid to those running backs. I think they're going to take advantage of it, you know, even if it's just one or two times and have Aller keep the ball instead of handing it off and, you know, end up picking like I don't know, 20, 25 yards just because defenses are so consumed with the thought of needing to contain Singleton and Allen. So I think Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be close, but I do think this ends up being an over
0: bill over to you.
2: So I think
1: uh, Matt just kind of put a random number on this one, which is good because we truly have no like frame of reference for what drew Aller is as a runner. Uh, I I'm still, I'm going to say under for basically all the reasons I said above about Uh, the offensive line, about Clifford's ability to extend plays with his legs, about wanting to find big plays in the passing game, those sorts of things. But then going off of that, the one other reason I will go under is I don't think they're going to do a ton of designed run stuff with Drew Aller as anything Mm -hmm. other than it's third and one, we need a battering ram, um, we know they're going to be keying in on k Drew, lower your shoulder, get us that one yard. Like, I don't think they're going to try and run him a ton for the simple reason that I am a big believer in college football coaches are a lot more boring and conservative than a lot of us want to believe they are. And I don't think it would be the best use of Drew Auer's skill set to have him do designed run stuff. Maybe every now and then, They're catching a defense off guard. They see something they like, and Drew's able to break one for 10, 15 some odd yards. But I think the most likely times we are going to see him as a runner are as a battering ram where he's gaining two, three yards. Because I just, like, why would you take the football out of the hands of these two Rolls Royce running backs that you have so your quarterback can run the football instead. So I will say under here.
0: I'm going over. Bill, I'm really glad you brought up the battering ram element because quarterback power was like weirdly a large part of the Drew Aller experience last year. I think against Ohio, they ran it on like fourth and two. Uh, He scored on it against Rutgers where he followed Tank Smith into the end zone. It was a really funny play. Quarterback power is in the Yersich playbook. He ran it a ton with Sam Ellinger down at Texas when he had him. I just Not that I think that Aller is remotely close running-wise to Sam Ellinger, but those elements of the playbook can translate with a guy who's 6'5", like 230. I think it's very easy to see where he can be, I need to get two yards, I'm going to fall forward because I'm so big, and get five. Also, I think another element of this is they're going to be taking shots down the field that's a lot of green grass that can open up in front of you. If he rips off two 15-yard gains in the season on, on plays like that, it wouldn't surprise me at all, and I feel good about that getting to the over. Um, also, I feel like you don't need like seven-step dropbacks drop for Drew Aller. I think he can generate enough power in fewer steps, so I don't think there's going to be a ton of sacks for a lot of yards. So that's what this comes back to here. I think it's just a good combination of plays available to him, and him seeing green grass in front of him and knowing enough now to take off running. So put me down for the over here. And I think we're back to Bill now for this one. So Bill, back to the defense after a couple of offensive questions in a row. Over under four and a half players to record at least 10 tackles for loss.
2: So
1: uh, Matt is asking because this would be one more than
0: they had. Real quick, crash. did did
2: Matt say four and, and a half or is it three and a half?
0: Three and, four and a half. And a half.
2: Oh, you, you said you told us half. three and a half earlier.
0: Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. We'll go three and a half then. Sorry. My notes, my notes are not correct then. So we'll go three okay. and a half.
1: Well, well that this, this changes, uh, absolutely nothing for me, uh, because I have Penn state is under no matter what, uh, Penn state wow. had three guys last season who were able to get to the, uh, 10 tackles for loss. Mark Adisa, Isaac, Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson. They're all back this season and I certainly think uh that they have the potential for this to be four or five guys I'm I'm not saying like I would be I would not be surprised at all if I ended up being wrong on this one but this is a really hard thing to do the last time Penn State was able to do this and have at least four guys record 10 tackles for loss was back in 2018 and it was every guy along the start every guy along the starting defensive line, it's Yitor Grossmatos, Sharif Miller, Kevin Givens, Robert, uh, Robert Windsor. And
0: this is a really, that's crazy.
1: This, yeah, it's a really difficult thing to do. And I also think their ability to attack from a bunch of different places and rotate guys, uh, particularly along the defensive line, uh, could be something that works against them with this one. Would I be surprised, you know, last season, They had those three who were at uh, double digits, 11, 10.5, and and 10. Then they had Curtis Jacobs at 7.5, Jair Brown at 7, Hakeem Beeman at 6, Nick Carburton at 5.5, Johnny Dixon at 4.5, Amin Vanover at 4.5. Like A lot of guys who record tackles for losses, I would not be surprised at all if this happens, but getting to that 10 benchmark is just a pretty tough thing to do, so I will say under on
2: 3.5. Nick, over to you. Well, to be consistent with my theme of what I think – opposing offenses, you know, what the conundrum I think they're going to be in against the secondary. I have this as an over, just barely. Wow. I think deny right. Dennis Sutton, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac all get it. I think one of them is like literally at 10, like just barely. And then I think uh one of Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, I assume Abdul Carter is also going to do it. Um I think the main reason I think this, you know, like I said before, I think the secondary is going to lock up guys, you know, really well to, the, and I think they're going to be a, you know, a feared enough turnover team that teams aren't just going to throw it up. And I think it's going to lead to more sacks. Um, but I, I just, I feel really good about this trio of defensive ends. I think we still could see some deny Dennis Sutton uh, shifting inside on some rush packages. I think that could help put him in position for more tackles for loss as well um but for me this is just barely an over despite how historically you know difficult it is as bill just laid out
0: bill real quick do you have a do you have names for guys you think will hit 10 i know nick rattled off his four do you have picks for how many and what guys
1: uh keon wiley kj winston malik Megan. <laughs> no i i, I, I mean I, w- I would i'd probably just go with the same guys who did a lot as last year, Disa Isaac, uh, Abdul Carter, and Chop Robinson.
0: Okay, uh, Bill, I'm with you here. I'm on the under, and for the same reason, I think. I think there's just too whoa, many well Are, are, to are feed. you are you on the under at
1: four and a half or three and a half? Both. Okay,
0: we'll stick with three and a half because Nick already made graphics, and the graphic number is for three and a half. So no, um, it, it, gonna... and it's also
1: that's what you told us this was going to be, brother. Spoiler: right, I also right, didn't fair. do that yet. So.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we just anyway, I'm going with three and a half on this front. Uh, again, just for the some reason Bill said, it, it's just so many guys have to do it. And I think that with how much Penn State is going to rotate at defensive end, I think Amin Vanover is going to get a ton of run. I think Zariah Fisher is going to get a ton of run. I think as the season goes on, we're going to see a lot more of like Tony Rojas in there. I just think there's too many guys who are going to be in like that, like five, six, seven, tackle for loss range for this to really hit. So I think this is going to be a very dominant defense. I think they're going to have a ton of tackles for loss, but my three guys to get to that number, I'm going to go with Deni Dennis Sutton. I'm going to go with Chop Robinson, and I'm going to go with Abdul Carter. And then I really do believe Adisa Isaac and Curtis Jacobs can get to like nine, nine and a half. I think they're going to just barely miss it. Uh, but I, I don't feel great about this one. I think it's going to be really, really close. And gentlemen, we'll close it out with our final over under of the night. Bill, I believe we're starting with you. And the over under here is 25 and a half pass attempts per game for Drew Aller.
1: I am going to go. Uh, f- first off, why I think Matt is asking this, I think he just th- might have thrown a number on this one. Uh, but, no, actually, I didn't. 20- I- Clifford was at 27 last year for the so if this hits the over he's just right around where Sean Clifford or it, that's about the benchmark. So why why did you throw 25 and a half on this one Matt?
0: So this was this was modeled after a Big 10 quarterback that I think Penn State is going to try to emulate the plan for. I think it's pretty obvious who it is. Do you guys know who it is?
1: I will I will get to him momentarily. So Okay, so it's uh, it's JJ McCarthy. Me,
0: and to, yeah. one more caveat, this is his pass attempts per game in his starts. So I took out the first two games where they had that weird split with Cade McNamara. Cade
1: McNamara. So when it
0: was the JJ McCarthy show, this was the number. So that's how I came to this. So
1: I'm going with the over and this is, this is simple math. I'm about to read off a number of names and numbers at all of you. dear This is every quarterback who has played under James Franklin. through. J, so James Franklin is various office coordinators, all that. Sean Clifford. In DJ, 2020, does, is
0: DJ Crook on the list?
1: just starters so just starting quarterback sean clifford in 2022 had 27 attempts per game i'm, I'm doing a little rounding 27 attempts per game 2021 it was 33 attempts per game 2020 he was at 28 attempts per game 2019 he was 33 attempts per game i i didn't for 2020 i didn't get will levis in here but he was more the running quarterback sean clifford, whatever you, you were all alive in 2020 and if you were it Why are you listening to a podcast? Trace McSorley in 2018, (laughs) uh, 28 attempts per game, 2017, 32 attempts per game, 2016, 28 attempts per game. And then Christian Hackenberg in 2015, 28 attempts per game, and 2014, 37 attempts per game, which is to say, if you're a Penn State, we're not talking about the 2014 season here, baby. Uh, 2000, which is to say, if you have played quarterback at Penn State, you've hit this number. You just hit this number. Uh, Straight up, so I'm going to say over. And then, when you just look at trends in college football, here are the quarterbacks in the Big Ten East last year. The main starting quarterbacks, and I'm going to put uh, one or two little asterisks on this one. Connor Basilek had 40 at Indiana, had 43 attempts per game. Talia Tagavailoa had 33 attempts per game. Peyton Thorne at Michigan State had 32 attempts per game. C.J. Stroud at the Ohio State University at 30 attempts per game. Rutgers had a few different guys play quarterback, but in general, Rutgers threw the football about 28 times per game. And then, uh, like Matt mentioned, J.J. McCarthy, on the year, he was at 23 attempts per game. When you took out those first couple of games, he's right about 25, 26. But Michigan had 10 separate players throw a football last year. And in total, as a team, they threw the ball 26 times per game. So you look at all of that. Between what Penn State has been under James Franklin, uh, what Drew Aller is as a quarterback is kind of separate to this. What Penn State has been under James Franklin and what kind of happens just in the Big Ten East, I think this is an over.
0: Okay. All right. I, I, I like where your head's at. I think that's all really great points. I like how detailed you went back to to pull from this. Nick, we'll go to you.
2: I think this is another easy over, and I think it's wow. because your ideology is flawed here in using J.J. McCarthy as the benchmark to kind of create this number. I don't okay. think that in any capacity, James Franklin or Mike Yersich, you know, treat Drew Aller or want to treat Drew Aller and the passing game in general the way that Jim Harbaugh wants to treat J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan passing offense. We know that's what Michigan point. is at its core with their offensive philosophy. I don't think Mike Yersuch or James Franklin wants to be that. Yeah, they have a great run game and they're going to lean on it. It's going to be the star of the show here, but I don't think they're going to do that at the expense of you know turning Drew Aller into just like a play-action quarterback and that's it. Like this is Mike Yursich's guy. Like he's this is the this is the season he's been waiting for for multiple years now. This is the kid that he identified, recruited, got committed, kept signed, has been developing for over a year now. Like this is the guy that he handpicked. He didn't handpick Sean Clifford. He did great things with Sean Clifford. He didn't pick Sean Clifford. This is the guy that Mike Yursich has been waiting for. I don't think they're going to put a muzzle on him. I don't think they're going to go crazy and have him throw 35 times a game, but I think 25 and a half is way too low. I I think 27, 28 at minimum. I, I think probably 27 is probably the probably where I would land here. So like nothing crazy okay. as far as the over goes here, but I don't think there's any shot that this is an under.
0: Nick, uh, you and I are going to have to fight because I disagree here. Pretty wholeheartedly. All and right. a lot of that is because the running backs are so good. We're all talking about those Illinois and those Iowa games as lean on the run game and let Drew gain experience. To me, that looks like under 25 times a game. There are, I can point out four games on this schedule where the game script for Penn State is clearly do what you do best. And let's see what happens. And that's at Illinois, Iowa and the whiteout at Ohio State, and Michigan. That's a third of your season right there where the game plan probably has to be give it to two guys who who could, you know, go to New York. I'm not saying they will, but they have that potential to go to New York for the Heisman ceremony. That's where I think this comes into play. They have to rely on what they know best, especially in the Illinois game, which I know scares people on this podcast, and the Iowa game, which is going to be a slugfest that Penn State... I think it behooves them to run the ball and get the hell out of there as quickly as we can. So that's where this comes into play. It's not that I don't think Aller is capable of this, but he's still a first-time starter. I know I've been the guy banging the drum and saying that doesn't matter. I don't believe that it does. But still, I think they can lean on a running game in a way that a James Franklin team at Penn State has never been able to do. So for those two reasons, I'm going to go slightly under here. I just don't see them getting to this number. Also factor in, when Bo Perbula comes in, they have to get him experience airing the ball out too. So it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple blowouts, Bo comes in a little bit earlier than normal, and we see him chuck through and out throw the pill around. So that's where I'm going to fall on this one. So you two are both over on 25 and a half. Nick, you have him pretty much matching Clifford's number. Bill, it sounds like you're about the same.
1: Yeah, about the same.
0: All right. All right. Well, that, that's my last one, gentlemen. Well done. Do you guys, Hmm. What am I going to say? What do you guys, what do you guys feel most confident in from this list? What do you feel? No doubt about it, Nick. It sounded like you had a few of them that you were no doubt. This one's going to hit,
2: uh, over your one. And Let's a call
0: it our lock from this list
2: over one and a half receivers, catching 30 passes easily, easy lock.
0: Okay. As a reminder, I'm on the under Bill is on the over of that one, Bill, your lock
1: uh over one and a half running backs hitting at least oh. nine hundred yards.
0: okay i was under on that bill uh i'm sorry nick joins bill on the over on that and for me my lock here is the 44 and a half sacks i believe we all went over on that one so we are in agreement on that front well done gentlemen great job thank you all for joining me uh if you're watching on youtube Leave your picks below in the comments. We'd love to hear where you guys stand. We sent this over to uh, Evil Matt and Craig earlier, and they had some pretty good disagreement with us as well on this. So it sounds like we're going to have disagreement across across the spectrum here. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you're on Twitter, tweet us your thoughts. We're going to be tweeting out a graphic with our picks on it. Let us know where you fall on this spectrum. And gentlemen, thank you again for joining me. Anything else you guys want to add as we send the folks off into week zero?
2: I'm glad you keep uh, bringing up that we're going to put out this graphic because it's a really good reminder for me to make this graphic. So thank you.
0: (laughs) I got you. Bill, anything else for the week?
2: No, nothing.
0: Awesome. Great. Well, thank you both for joining me. Thank you so much to our audience for listening. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We just hit 101 reviews. We'd love to keep getting more. If you like what you see here, be sure to leave us a five-star review. If you're on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the like button. Join us in the comments. We've had a lot of fun. We have a back catalog of two weeks of position previews, as well as the schedule preview in the past couple days for you guys to go back and watch and listen to. Be sure to follow us over there on Twitter over at RLR Blog. I'm sure we're going to be bringing Twitter spaces back a couple times this season after big wins. Uh, we'll probably be going live a couple of times before some games, especially the early games. We have always had a lot of fun going live with you guys here on YouTube before a couple of big games. And of course, thank you to our sponsor, Home the Apparel. Be sure to use promo code RLR23 for 15% off your first order at checkout. And for my co-host, Nick Polak. For my co-host, Bill Filippo. I'm Matt Leibovitz. Take care, everyone, and go State.
2: Go State.